When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I'm trying to get our players to listen to me instead of listening to you guys. Mackey and Judd. It's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison. On 1500 ESPN. Minnesota United FC sending gifts for us. We appreciate that. Hopefully there's uh, maybe some saline to clean out my right ear, which has been clogged all morning. Uh, Oh, how's that going for you? If anyone has any tips on how to unclog an ear that's either waterlogged or maybe there's just like too much wax, or maybe it's my body's natural reaction to my right ear being close to you and it's trying to close itself off. Oh, don't try and blame me. It's trying to the Google says that you could be in big trouble. Well, I, I did. WebMD go, says that yeah, this could be it. I did go. Could to, be Zola getting collar tomorrow. Never go to WebMD. The end result is always pancreatic cancer. Yes. Like, oh, my uh, fingernail looks to looks to be. I have a hangnail yeah, on that's my cancer. left. Yep, it's, yeah. that's pancreatic. We cancer. used to have uh, when when I was growing up, there was a MD book. You know, if you've got this, what's wrong? And you would go and look it up, and it was inevitably. You'd be dead within 24 right, exactly. hours. It was unbelievable. I mean, like, there was nothing. Like, the common cold, you'd be like, this is no big deal. It would say, you will be dead in a day. Dude, I found a website. I just Googled, you know, how to unclog an ear, you know, without right. having to go to a doctor. Just, like, there's got to be something at a CVS or a whatever. And I found some website where someone posed the question, hey, uh, it's my it's my right ear only, and I can't hear out of it. Brain tumor. It uh, doesn't hurt. And like there are six doctors that their their screen name was like you know a doctor of some kind, and all six of them in bold or all caps, go see uh, uh, an ear doctor immediately. It's possible that you could have like extensive damage. And I'm like, um. <laughs> brain surgery is recommended immediately, God. and we'll go from there. Yeah. So so it's going well. Hey, football observation. Mm-hmm. Let's get to our weekly football. Football observations uh, from Saturday, Sunday. We'll start with this one here. Demry Croft played football for over three hours on Saturday. For over three hours, he played football. Yeah. And completed two passes. Yeah. Uh, my only observation is, <laughs> what is this your, is... What's your end result observation? The Gophers have always had mediocre to bad quarterback play. Outside of, you know, Adam Weber showed some flashes, but he had nine different offensive coordinators. Corey Sauter, when I was a kid in the 90s, wound up. I remember He was Corey a backup Sauter. with the Lions at one point. Yes. Like, he was okay. Yeah. For the most part, though, it's been a dumpster fire of quarterback play. And this is as bad as it's been in my lifetime. What we're seeing with Demry Croft and Connor Rota, specifically Demry Croft, this is as bad as I've seen go for quarterback play in my lifetime. Did you watch much of that game on Saturday? The whole thing. 
Oh, you put yourself through the whole thing. thing? Yeah. See, I, I finally... had at least three cocktails during the game. Oh, you, I'm surprised with you didn't no, have more. With no mixer. Like, I just went straight to the to the top shelf whiskey by the time the third quarter rolled around. See, by the by midway through the third quarter, I think I ducked out to uh, Badgers and Michigan because I couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. I could not take it anymore. Uh, can you tell me how many times, let's see, Demry Croft has now played in eight games this season. How many times has he completed double-digit passes? In the eight games he's played in. Once? Once. Hey, I got it. So we're it. not even talking like, we're talking just complete 10 passes no, in a no, game. No, we can't. He went 11 for 20 no, in a loss can't. to Michigan State for 163. He did throw the three touchdowns in that game. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since October 21st in their win against Illinois, in which he went 5 of 15 for, for 47 yards. He's a complete embarrassment to the position. And I hate saying that about a college kid, but why are you running out of bounds? And like he's just—he's a disaster. And the worst part, but but Fireflack, right? Rhoda can't even can't even get back in. This is this is maybe the they're state. tanking for a this higher. Is, draft this pick. is the state I, I, of the Gopher quarterback position. This yeah. is the state of things. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully they can get a JUCO kid or something next year here. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's got to be an improvement on this. Come on, football. If you believe in reincarnation, and I think I might, I want to return as a fired college football coach. (laughs) Jim Mora Jr. was fired as UCLA's coach on Sunday. It didn't work. He turns 56 today. His birthday gift is a buyout that's going to pay him, by December the 1st, around $12 million. People were all mad because, how could you fire him on his birthday? Oh, he's getting oh, a nice severance. He's getting He'll around, be fine. He is getting around $12 million. He was California's highest paid state employee. I want to return as a college football coach who fails and fails quickly wow. with a big buyout. One year, maybe two years, and then I want to be called in by my AD, and I want to be told, whoever, whoever you are, it's not working for us. You're fired. Here's a check. For $15 million, now get lost. I'll be like, okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Careful talking like that during budget season. Careful talking hey, if like they want to write me, <laughs> if they want to write me that big a check, it can be Mackie and Collar tomorrow. Come on! Football! All right, football observations. Uh, this just went down this morning. Uh, my observation is I think the Denver Broncos are about to consolidate the size of their play-calling sheet on offense. Not only did they fire Mike McCoy as the offensive coordinator, there's a lot of tentacles to that. Like Mike McCoy has now been fired as a head coach and as an offensive coordinator all in the last calendar year. He was the coach of the Chargers for a while. Uh, but, you know, in his defense, Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon. He's the lucky one here. There's a lot of really mediocre quarterbacks. You know, Peyton Manning made a lot of people a lot of money and made a lot of people look really good. Here's the best part, though. Did you see who's replacing Mike McCoy as offensive coordinator for the Broncos? No, I did not. Did my hint at the beginning of that? Uh, no. Their play calling sheet is about to be consolidated. Mu- Bill Musgrave, Musgrave is the new offensive coordinator. Get another chance. For the Denver Broncos. He's getting like a fourth chance at this job. <laughs> it's remarkable. Oh, man. So he must have been quarterback's coach. Well, in which case, he probably should have been fired too. Oh, I didn't know. But, so, uh, Bill, yeah. so Bill's coming back with a little. Oh, Billy's play coming. Card so he must gonna... have been on that staff. I don't know. I didn't know that. Wow. Good for Bill. Come on. Football! I don't want to brag, boys, but in the quarterback cesspool challenge, let's say this week we had a big winner. We had a big winner, and his name is Judd Zolgad. Because that smart man jumped at the opportunity to take 
Nathan Peterman of the Buffalo Bills. Okay, we have some audio to accompany this football observation. Uh, this is earlier in the week, LaShawn McCoy running back for the Bills. Dave found this. Uh, LaShawn McCoy earlier in the week. Actually, this was from, uh, it says it's from 11 it's 5. From Wednesday, 15, sorry. Okay, okay. So it's from uh, it's from Wednesday. Hey, how might Nathan Peterman do? Does he have a chance to uh, perform well? He's never played before. I mean, he's a guy that has never played in the NFL uh, in a real game. So, I mean, you, you never know. It could be good or bad. You just never know. That's why I really can't give you an honest answer. Like, well, he's going to go out there and he's going to dominate. He's going to throw for four or five touchdowns or he's going to go for five picks. I don't know. Peterman rolling and throwing off the hands of DeMarco and intercepted. He floats one, and that's intercepted. Pressure coming. Peterman hit, and that is his third interception of the day. Did he pick that off? (laughs) Casey Hayward may have another interception. And that's the fifth interception today thrown by Peterman. Nathan Peterman, I believe he was a six-round pick out of Pittsburgh by the Buffalo Bills, and for some reason picked to replace Tyrod Taylor, who wasn't playing great but wasn't terrible, was the first quarterback since the 1970 AFL-NFL merger to throw at least five interceptions in a first half. Uh, Earlier in the week, head coach Doug McDermott was asked, I'm going to paraphrase his quote from earlier in the week, you know, why are you making this switch from Tyrod Taylor, who's been, you know, he's he league okay. average, he's fine, he's not, okay, he's not yes. great, but uh, why would you make the switch? And his answer was something along the lines of, you know, we're making this move because we're taking a step forward to be championship caliber. We're a championship caliber football team. Uh, well, he threw five interceptions. Now what do you think? I don't regret my decision. I regret the result. We didn't get the result we were looking for. Um, um, so uh, I don't regret the re- decision at all. Are you going back out there next week? Well, yeah, I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to evaluate. <laughs> I got to go look at the film. I got to go look at the all if 22. This guy is in his first year as the Bills coach. If he puts this poor kid back out there, he should be fired immediately. <laughs> he should be fired. when he, If he goes out there to his press conference uh, on Wednesday and says that Peterman's going to start, he should be fired immediately. He dude. should be replaced by someone at the press conference. The final line. Let me give you the final Nathan Peterman line from Sunday against the Chargers. It's like a Seinfeld character, right? Peterman! Peterman, yes. He is a Seinfeld character. It's Mr. Peterman. Yes. 6 of 14, 66 yards, 5 picks, QBR, 0.3. Wow, that brought, he, re- hey, he registered to Gad, the he re- best performance of the year. I the quarterback says full challenge. I'm, I take the best pick of the year. No, zero point three. Yep, Mike drop in that segment. Nathan so, Peterman. Uh, who are the other picks? I had Deshaun Kaiser. I haven't looked at the QBRs, but Deshaun Kaiser was a dumpster fire. And Dave had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who he was pretty good. I think he was I fine, think, right? Yeah, so you might have. I think uh, I'm in trouble. You might be in line. Uh, one more football observation here before we get to Courtney Cronin. I think you can put a fork in the Dallas Cowboys, a 13 and 3 team from last year in their playoff hopes. So they dropped to 5 and 5 on the season with that blowout loss at home to the Eagles. So they're four games back in the division. Mm-hmm. Good good luck. Season's over in the division. What about wild card? Well, in the NFC right now, the wild card teams are three loss teams. Carolina 7 and 3 and Seattle 6 and 3. So Dallas, let's do a two back in the loss column. Now it's possible Seattle loses tonight to Atlanta that closes that gap. Uh, but Dallas, let's say two games back right now with only a month and a half to play. And they still have at Philadelphia, Seattle on the schedule. They have to play Washington. That's a division game, not a gimme. At Oakland, national television uh, game later on in the month of December. If so I'm not mistaken, I believe that uh, the, the two of us called this too. 
I think when yep, we I talked about Dallas, playoffs. we both said that, that it seemed like too much. Mm-hmm. Like 13 wins is great, but there's certain there, there's pop-up years, and then there's years where you've built something, and it felt like they popped up and won 13, which normally in this league is caused to then regress the next year. So those are our weekly football, football. observations. Nathan Peterman. Peterman. Might never hear from him again. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She's a Vikings insider, and we will talk to her about the Vikings' huge win yesterday. If there is any doubt about their standing in the NFC, are they for real? Are they beating up on bad teams? I think that conversation changes after yesterday. We'll talk to Courtney next. Mackie and Judd are back. Put down the sports page and listen. On 1500 ESPN. Safe. Keenum in trouble. Here comes Quinn. Missed. But he gets help from the teammates. He's thrown. It's completed. How in the world did that work? But it did to Thielen, who's got a first down. Just kind of ducked and you know, the get small drill. You know, we work on that in practice with Coach Stefanski, our quarterback coach. But <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, Adam did a great job, you know, finding some space. You should see him at that point. I mean, it looked like you. Who? Adam, because the guy was riding in your face when you were You think I just threw it to space and yeah. hoped somebody was there? <laughs> no, I saw him. I saw him, man. Are there times where Case does throw the pass like he did and you go, oh boy, is that going to work? And, and then it seems to well, work. I don't really say, is that going to work? But similar. Well, you launched it down, you know, you yeah, set yourself uh, for a second, that could be a hit, so. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of things at that point. But he's got a horseshoe right now. The Vikings out <laughs> yardaged the Rams by 200 yesterday, about 450 to 250 uh, yards per play. There was a two-yard gap, two yard gap difference. Uh, the, Ra- the Rams had two drives. Their first drive and, and the, the one and where the they got time. stripped. No, where, where Cup got stripped. Okay, three oh, drives. sure, okay. But, I mean, yeah. they basically had three drives. Yeah. And you it. know what? If you're going to give up a drive, uh, another sign of a good defense is force a turnover in the red zone or do something yeah. to to swing the field. So, Courtney Cronin, she uh, covers the Vikings beat for ESPN.com. You can follow her on Twitter, at Courtney R. Cronin. Uh, what did yesterday's game do for your perception of how good this team is or what they can do going forward, Courtney? I mean, I think we knew how good this defense was for a while. I mean, they they've obviously they've, they've struck fire at a really good time, but we knew, like, how good they were. But I think taking it to another level where you can say that's a Super Bowl defense is what they did against a top-scoring offense yesterday in the NFL. There's no question about that. I mean, this team is legit. They're one of the best in the NFL. And I think, I mean, yesterday, I think, wiped away. If anybody had any doubt that this team is a legitimate contender, um, you know, for the Super Bowl now, I mean, it certainly certainly made their case. If you had had one question in your mind going into that game and you said to yourself, okay, they won five consecutive games, but you've beaten teams like the Bears, Baltimore is not great, uh, Cleveland. If there was a question that you felt, okay, they're, they're going to answer it in today's game, what was it? Well, I mean, I think the obvious question was, who is, that game meant a lot in terms of, what's going to happen at the quarterback position, whether people want to talk about it or not. That's a fact. Like yeah, That was a game to determine if Case Keenum was going to be able to play this coming week and you know what the immediate future holds for that position. And I think it was clearly answered that you don't – I mean, they're going to – they have to ride with him from here on out um, because it would be really difficult to make a quarterback switch. So I think that that, for me, was arguably the biggest question going into yesterday's game. Um, it just shows – that he doesn't really need this, you know, the the affirmation at the beginning of the week that he is a starter. I think that he's done, you know, above all else, he's done really well playing, not playing over his shoulder 
uh, you know, looking over his shoulder this year, something that, you know, clearly wasn't the case in Los Angeles last year. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of added pressure, the drama, the narrative of, you know, why this quarterback controversy, if you want to call it, is not closed. I mean, you could point to one place where it's still being left open. And, and you know, Keenum's done everything to close that book and, you know, more power to him. Uh, I, I'm gonna let me lay out my thought on why I want I want your uh, validation or or your disagreement here because I, I want to lay out fans want to know why doesn't Mike Zimmer just say that Case Keenum is the quarterback? Uh, he was on with Deion Sanders last night on NFL Network saying, "Hey, I see Teddy at practice and he looks incredible, and this is a week to week thing." I think he's looking at ceiling and chances to win the Super Bowl. And Mike Zimmer thinks Teddy Bridgewater has a higher upside than Case Keenum. And so Teddy might need, you know, it's possible he needs 10 games to knock off the rust to get to his upside. But, you know, if he can do it in two, three, four games, you want to start that process right now so that Bridgewater can reach his upside, which you think is higher than Case's upside, which will help you win playoff games, uh, you know, give you at least a better percentage chance to win a Super Bowl. I think that's what Mike Zimmer's thinking uh, what's your read on it, Courtney? No, I, I agree with most of that. I think that, you know, he obviously thinks that Bridgewater has a higher ceiling, and I, I don't think that that's far off or a stretch by any means. But, you know, there's he's had multiple chances to have his lovey moment of, you know, Rex is our quarterback. He could have done it against, you know, last week against Washington, Kings's you know, four-touchdown game. But, you know, the, the interceptions, I think, gave him some pause. This was – you know, another chance for him to do it, and he still left the door open there. Of, you know, I, you know, I'm confident in what, you know, hopeful for Teddy or whatever he said there. Um, you know, after, you know, before that, he said it'd be hard to yank him at this point. So there's still, he's just not ready to turn the reins over because I think the second you do do that, you kind of run into a situation like the Bills. Um, you know, something there where there is a quarterback switch, and then you have to go back, and it just did. I think it opens up a big can of worms by by making something a little bit more permanent when he's still, you know, the only reason this is being debated, as I wrote this morning, is because he's had the word backup attached to his name. If he was the starting quarterback outright, none of this would ever be under consideration of a switch or, you know, even in conversation of that. So, I, I mean, I, I get where Mike's coming from with it, and I, I understand, but I think, you know, there, there wouldn't be anything that warrants a switch, at least until something happens. Like if, you know, if he's on the road in Detroit, Atlanta, one of those places, and, and throws multiple interceptions, and they lose a game because of the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. They haven't lost the game this year yet because of, I mean, our Detroit could be argued, but they have not lost the game yet because of the quarterback play. Um, I think that that's, you know, certainly... You know, certainly since Case has been in a rhythm, I'm not, I'm not counting week two in that because that was an emergency situation. But since he's been in a rhythm as kind of the de facto starter, they have not lost a game because of him. Um, so I think that, you know, it could go either way. They could name him the starter or they can just continue to roll with it as they've been doing and, you know, not get off a winning horse. So, so uh, Courtney, week to week to week, I change my, my mind defensively about the most important person. And I keep this so. So some weeks I've said it's it's Joseph and then Griffin and then it'll be Barr. After yesterday, though, Harrison Smith, watching yeah. him play, especially in person, in person is incredible. I mean, when you realize not not only the plays that he makes, but the amount of of, of influence he has in moving guys around and making calls. 
Harrison Smith, it, he is a fun player to watch on TV, but in person, it is remarkable the amount of things that this guy does, I think. Yeah, I mean, just look how good he was against the run and, you know, in stopping Jared Goff yesterday. And, I mean, of course, it started all up front where you know, they pressured the heck out of him. I mean, he was really flustered there, and he wasn't able to complete, I think, more than one pass downfield for 15 yards. Um, you know, that was – that was t- that was tough, and I think that the secondary, you know, outside of what Harrison Smith does, because yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's, we don't talk about him nearly enough because of the strength of the defensive front, um, and then you know with your linebackers. But he's, you know, yesterday he was the most important defensive player on the field, and I think big picture wise, mm-hmm. um, nobody's talked about the depth that this secondary has, and you really did see it on display with what Anthony Harris was able to do, and then you know, the rotation between Mackenzie Alexander and Terrence Newman, um, and even you know seeing the snaps that Marcus Sherrills and Tremaine Brock played. I mean, Xavier Rhodes battled through that calf injury that he sustained there in the, in the first half, but I think it really spoke to just how complete this defense is, and particularly with the secondary. That, if you, to bring up another question, like I guess question going into this game, I didn't know if I really had one, um, with the secondary, but big picture wise, you could look at the secondary before week 11 and say, hey, you know, do they really have the depth they need to contend? And, and yesterday, completely check that box. So uh, each game gives us uh, certain storylines. Some are important, some aren't. Where do you think Kai Forbath's two misses rank on that? Because I, I feel. <laughs> I don't think it's a huge deal, but I also can't dismiss it. And and he's fixed the PAT problem, but and if he he misses one on Sunday, I'm like, okay, that's not a, a big deal. You miss two, you start to say to yourself, I'm a little bit concerned about this. Yeah, I know that uh, with quarterbacks and offensive linemen, you buy them, you know, you buy them stuff for like you know protecting you and <laughs> what they want to do to take dinners. Does Ty Forbath have to do the same thing for the entire defense for should um, you know having his back? Uh, yes, it was. It was a tough performance to watch. He was twenty. I think he had made twenty-two of twenty-three going into the game, and then finishes one for three. This is a position that gives Vikings fans a lot of pause, and rightfully so. Um, I think the ghost of Blair Walsh. I mean, it certainly haunts people. So, and I think you and I were talking about it before the game. It's you know about a year ago this week. He, you know, they got rid of Walsh and they brought in Forbath and. If it, you know, this season is just the, the consistency issue at with the kicker is still a problem uh, for the Vikings. I don't think it's a huge overreaction storyline, especially because they were able to get a win in pretty dominating fashion. Um, it didn't come down to a field goal, which ha- had that been a different circumstance, we were, we're talking about something else. But I do think it is a little bit of a concern, and you don't really know how to ask these guys. I mean, what do you, what do you ask them? I mean, how are you going to kick better next week? I mean, nobody really understands kickers and special teams. I mean, those circumstances, those are lengths he's hit, distances he's hit before. So I don't know. I mean, and, and he's, you know, before that, the last time we were talking about Kai Forbath um, really affecting a game was, you know, when he had, what was it, five or six field goals against the Ravens, I believe, and then, you know, missed, missed the extra point. So, Kind of feels if it's not one thing, it's another with the uh, you know with the kicking game. But I, I don't think it's a huge, huge cause of concern right now. You know what the problem is, Courtney and Judd, with kickers and quarterbacks in the world. In the world, there's only about fifteen to twenty of each 
that can perform at the level that you want them to perform at in the NFL, right? Like that's why there's always eight teams or 10 teams without a quarterback and they're rotating around Tyrod Taylor and this Peterman dude. And And it's why there's always 10 teams looking for a kicker. You know, there's it's supply and demand and there's, there's not much of a supply of great kickers and quarterbacks. Yeah, I do. I agree with that. I think, you know, if there's one position outside of quarterback that Mike Zimmer really does put a lot of, um, you know, a lot into and really demand a lot from it's his kicking game. Just because, you know, historically of what this team has gone through, um, especially in the last few years at that position, that it, it should be an afterthought at this point. And it's still some of those issues are still popping up. Uh, by the way, Courtney, in case you're wondering, as you're trying to feel out your uh, you know, your fellow uh, Minnesota friends and Vikings fans here, first season covering the team, <laughs> if you're wondering how vindictive Vikings fans are, we put a poll up on 1500 ESPN's Twitter page. What gives you more joy as a Vikings fan? The 8-2 and two start for your favorite team or the misery in Green Bay? And 31% say misery in Green Bay gives them more joy. Quarterback, <laughs> especially. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me because yesterday I sent out a tweet um, right after the Anthony Barr roughing the passer call, which, you know, was the right call. But, I, you know, I, all I said was, you know, he got, he's got flagged for it. You know, he's going to be under more scrutiny because <laughs> yes. of what happened. Like, that is a fact. I, I don't know how to, like, make, like, to sugarcoat that. But that somehow turned into me um, – People interpreting that as, you know, I was saying that it was a dirty hit on Rodgers. I did not even breathe a mention of Aaron Rodgers' name, but I totally get it. Like, I mean, it's, you know, if if there's even a line that you could draw with, you know, the thinnest thread that would connect something to the Packers, they're going to be, you know, people are going to be irritated about it and want to talk about it. But, hey, I mean, it's a great fan base. I think that, you know, that's one part that kind of reminds me of, you know, I guess the closest comparison I can draw to it was the Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry I covered for three years. Uh, very similar between the Packers and uh, the, the Packers and the Vikings. Yeah, just, just stop being so negative, and people will you know get out. You are right, though. He is a marked man, and he will be for the rest of this year. And there's no doubt about that. You're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Good stuff, Courtney. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Yeah, he's going to be watched so closely, and I love how how he. Got up. He's like, what? How could you call that on me? The problem with that hit, it, it was the crown of the helmet hit, right? Yes. Every time I, and that so, was the problem with it. So if you get your, if you go in after the quarterback has thrown the ball, especially, because so the ball was out, it wasn't as much that it was a late hit, because it was bang, bang. I mean, it was kind of like the Rodgers hit. It was bang, bang. Mm-hmm. But when, when the crown of your helmet comes anywhere near the chin of the quarterback. Yes. And and if I, if I recall, uh, Goff's chin kind of dipped after the hit. So it wasn't a direct blow to the chin. If it was, that thing would have been split open. There would have been blood everywhere. Uh, like the, was it the Kerry Collins hit from the, oh, yeah. the, the Bill Romanowski hit on Kerry Collins? Yep. Uh, but, you know, like it, you got to have some awareness. You just took out one of the great quarterbacks <laughs> of all time like a month ago. And so if you get in there, if it's, if it's after the throw and it's up near the chin, you're probably going to get flagged. If Anthony Barr for the rest of this year is perceived to drive any quarterback into the ground, it will get a flag. But I will say, Fair the, the bar factor, Harrison Smith, there is a certain old school fear factor with this defense where, you know, you might come over in the middle and Linval Joseph might just run over you. Yep. He might just well, we semi-truck saw, we you saw last week. Yes, into the ground. Almost so, killed a Washington receiver. You know, there is, there's a certain, just because you're open and you catch the ball doesn't mean that someone's not going to come up mm-hmm. and like dislocate your shoulder mm-hmm. or put you in an arm bar or something. So exactly. it, it's a super fun defense to watch. Uh, you know, talking about the the, the Kai Forbath misses yesterday, 
I, I, I was having some fun on Twitter coming up with a list of things that give you post-traumatic stress syndrome or trigger it as a Vikings fan. So I'd throw some of those at you. Vikings, 8-2, and two, atop the division. They play in just uh, a few more days here on Thursday, and we will be live for Vikings Ventline, a holiday edition, as soon as that game is over. Uh, Superstar has a bunch of family stuff, so he's going to be one of the callers calling in on the phone. But uh, we will be live in studio doing Vikings Ventline on Thursday, just, uh, just a heads up for a few days from now. TCL is the studio sponsor here at 1500 ESPN, and so we appreciate them keeping our microphones on, and we appreciate them and the way that they are really upping the game for the entertainment and sports viewing experience in your living room. For instance, right now we have a 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV in our studio, it's it, the 4K picture resolution is four times the picture quality of your standard 1080p, uh, you know, HD TV. The past 10 years, we got a phone call yesterday on Ventline, and uh, somebody was complaining about the officiating and how you know missed this and that. And I'm saying, you know, on the TV we're watching, you watch this thing on a TCL TV. I almost feel bad for the refs that are tr- so I get to watch a super slow mo, high pixelated replay on a screen that takes up half the wall. And these refs have to go in live speed, 100 miles an hour, and and make these calls on the fly. So, uh, you know what? TCL TVs are making refs look bad, is what I'm telling you. It's America's fastest-growing TV brand, and you can stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities to check it out for yourself. TCL TVs. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I just associate it with dummies. Mackey and Judd. They think that they're, you know what, don't stink, and they know everything. On 1500 ESPN. You know, we just didn't play good in that first series, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I don't know. We played much better after that. We played the run much better. Um, you know, we covered better. We pressured the quarterback a lot better. Um, you know, we had... Uh, you know, we messed up the one third down and allowed him to kick that first drive going. We messed that up. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, you know, it's nice to say you made adjustments, but the players played their butts off. Now, Zimmer there is talking about the Rams' first drive in which the Vikings gave up a, a touchdown on Sunday. But then the Vikings came back on their first drive, Phil Mackey. And on the third play of that drive, down by seven, we had a call that none of us ever need to hear again. <laughs> We had a situation where there was a guy who didn't get off the field and didn't know, and there was confusion. Does this sound familiar at all? And then the call was 12 men in the huddle. 12 men. Of all of the things that Viking fans never need to hear again, any penalty, any penalty we can handle for the most part, 12 men in the huddle has a special yeah. place in our own Viking hell. We were talking about that, and so I, I was watching the game. Superstar Mike Morris, he's going to be in here in about 20 minutes, as he, as he is on Mondays. And we were watching the game, and uh, so between that and Kai Forbath missed a couple kicks, it was just it was, it was these little flashbacks, right, where things are going great, and things are going great with this team right now. In fact... Uh, just to paraphrase a tweet from uh, one of our loyal listeners, Lubomir, we always fight about the Timberwolves. We agree on almost everything else, it seems like. And and Lubomir and I are about the same age. We're in our early 30s, and so we, we weren't around for the Purple People Eater Vikings. But this is the most fun, we were tweeting, this is the most fun watching the Vikings has been since maybe 98 and parts of that 09 season. But it's just different. It's defense. And it's the Case Keenum story and Adam Thielen. It's just a lot of cool stories. So even as... Things are going great, and they're winning, and they're 8-2, and and this is the best defense we've seen since the Purple People Eaters. Mm -hmm. 
when Kai Forbath misses or when 12 men in the huddle happens, you just sort of flashback real quick. Like, oh, oh. Yes. It's like it triggers your Vikings fan post-traumatic stress syndrome. And I was making a list on Twitter yesterday of just things that can can snap you out of that elation mm-hmm. mode as a fan. And then you go right back to it because they were dominating the Rams yesterday for the better part of three hours. But uh, I would say NFC title games, if they get to the NFC title game, Will there be any Vikings fans who aren't just on eggshells waiting for just the, the Brett Favre cold thing? Sweat as the game the, kicks right, off. It'll be it'll be the simultaneously the most amazing three and a half hours, but also the most torturous because of all the things that are at stake. Right, sure. first ever Super Bowl championship, home Super Bowl for the first time in NFL history. Mm-hmm. But you'll be thinking about this list of PTSD items like the kicker, um, twelve men in the huddle, dumb penalties. In fact, if you could. On a scale of 1 to 10, mm-hmm. I asked this to Star yesterday. He said a 5. On a scale of 1, 1 being if Blair Walsh were to ever line up for another field goal for you in a key spot ever again, your confidence would be a 1, a Blair Walsh. Or a 10 being Adam Vinatieri in pristine conditions Good with record. everything on the line, right? That Where does Kai Forbath fall for you right now? <laughs> Well, he was, as Courtney said, he was 23 of 24 uh, coming into the game on field goal attempts this year. And he had only, so so Blair Walsh was cut essentially a year ago at this time. And I believe Kai Forbath had missed something like one or two kicks, one kick the entire time. No, not PATs. So I would say unless we go into next, unless we go into Thursday and he were to miss another field goal attempt, I would actually say pretty high on field goal attempts. Yeah. I, I would say I'd give him a seven on field goal attempts. My problem is this point after attempts. I'd give him about a four right now. It still scares me. Dude, there's something about there's something now. Now I, don't he, know, I feel like he's pretty dialed in now. He's got he that moved right to hash the right mark. hash mark. He's got I know. Draw going, but that one still scares me more. But I would say on field goal attempts, unless he struggles on Thursday against the Lions, I'd still give him about a seven. Yeah. This team, though, it it feels so different than most Vikings teams, which the, I think the Vikings' entire mantra for for a half century has been crumbling when the pressure is at its highest, right? Some of the best defenses and one of the great quarterbacks of all time in the seventies. And then when all the chips are on the table, you get smoked by the AFC team. You know, when, when you're a 15 and one team in 1998 and you're a decided favorite at home and you're controlling the game and then like the pressure mounts and the chips, you dominate the first half really. Yeah. The chips move to Atlanta, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, 2009, the water level rises, rises. Actually, that's probably a bad reference for New Orleans around that time. But, um, you know, it's this team feels a little different, though. This team feels like it's been able to rise above circumstances. All right, Bridgewater's out. Next guy up. Oh, now that guy's out, too. Okay, Case Keenum. Dalvin Cook's out. Okay, Jarek McKinnon, Latavius Murray. Offensive line's terrible. Let's overhaul it. Let's fix problems. Let's find solutions. That's been the story of this team pretty much well, the entire time under Mike Zimmer. The thing that we have basically never seen, and and you you would have to go way back to when the sport was different, um, is this the defense? This defense is great. I mean, this defense is fantastic. So you're built around you're built around something that the Vikings have not been built around in years and years and years. And and the important thing is this: in ninety eight two thousand nine, if you were going to win games, you had to win them in sort of a sexy fashion because your offense was was considered your key component, right? So if you were going to win games, it was really, okay, can the can the defense hold? And more importantly, the offense needs to go down and score. 
The reason I contend why a lot of the, these games are not that that great to watch, you, you don't come away from, from the game saying, wow, that was a lot of fun, is because it's built around defense, and defense is not sexy. Defense is can be plotting, it can be slow, but this is the first time in a lot of people's lifetimes that you look at the Vikings and you say, their calling card one through five is defense. Dude, yeah, that, that the offense can't be bad. It can't sabotage you, but the defense is what's going to win you games. That Rams team came in here like a freight train, blowing everybody out in their last month. And and now, granted, they did face you know the New York Giants, the crumbling, the the failing New York Giants, as our commander in chief would say. Thanks, Donald. And uh, they put up about fifty one points, if I if I recall correctly, uh, in that game. They they came in like a freight train. Averaging 40 points per game on the road and a 26-point margin of victory in the last four games. Uh-huh. And the Vikings gave up that first drive, and you thought, oh boy, this might be this might be a shootout. This might be, you know, maybe they're exposing the Vikings defense. Uh-uh. They shut them down for the next two hours and 45 minutes. And it was super impressive. Uh, we can open up the vent lines. There's not much to vent about, but if you have thoughts on how far this Vikings team can go, what did yesterday? teach you as a fan watching this team and what would you do? Mike Zimmer continues to play the week to week game with his quarterbacks. Six five one, six four six, eight two five five. What's up, Jeff? Mike, uh, so I am thinking back to nineteen sixty nine with Joe Cap when he had the forty for sixty. That's what I'm feeling. The purple people here as you said that defense, I just sort of sit back. I'm not sweating bullets. I just these guys make plays on offense. The receivers seem to catch everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam, uh, uh, Cam, he just uh, he gets the uh, the ball into uh, the receiver's hands. He seems so calm out there. So uh, that's all I want to say. And I was hoping you guys, is it possible to make contact with Joe Cap and uh, talk to him someday, uh, just regarding the success of the Vikings this year? Uh, that'd be that'd be yeah, it'd be fun to talk to uh, to Joe Cap, Jeff. Thank you for the phone call. So. Uh, to b- Back to our point, though, about the defensive performance on Sunday. Todd Gurley, so I I believe he had something like 25 yards on the first series for the Rams. Todd Gurley, after that, yesterday, had 11 carries and 20 yards. Yeah. That is a—we're talking about the guy that led the league in in all yardage, I believe, coming into that game, and they held him to 20 yards on 11 carries. And Jared Goff did nothing. Day after Vikings vent line here, 651-646-8255. Foster, you're on the show. Hey, I was just uh, calling in about uh, this whole in Zim we trust thing, Um, and I remember last year there were a few times where I just thought, sometimes we let this guy get away with too much. I mean, the fat cats get slaughtered thing, and— you know, is calling out of players, and then there was the Red Ellison's dad thing this offseason, and I feel like uh, I'm I'm back in that mode of this guy is awesome. But I just like to see what you guys think about kind of, um, you know, anything that you thought he might have mismanaged. Yeah, Foster's phone's kind of cut. Hard out to there. be down on Zim well, right J- now. Judd brought a full list multiple times this offseason of reasons why you wanted Mike Zimmer fired. This is not true. You, I, you, I, you I and Kyle were very critical of him, and he deserved it. And he deserved it, but I told you this two weeks back. I said the most important thing for for Zim and Spielman is to me, they showed that the mistakes that that were made last year, they learned from. And that's all you can ask. I think that both of them made, made mistakes. The backup QB was not addressed. The offensive line certainly was not. 
But you look at everything this team has done, and a lot of it, a lot of it is things that I think that they learned from last year. So good for them. Uh, more of your thoughts and opinions. The superstar Mike Morris will be in here in about 15 minutes. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd. the Green and Gold Post Game Show, and we start out with simply one question, Gary. What the hell was that? Uh, that sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, Pat, go! The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. And now for the main event. On 1500 ESPN. Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join Mackie at Spring Street Tavern in Minneapolis 2-4 to four this Saturday for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice-cold one. Register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. All right. I got one thing that... that really impaired my entertainment of the game on Sunday. And it has nothing to do with the Vikings themselves or the Rams. It has to do with the guys that officiated the contest. How do we not have 15 penalties called? Like how how can we get this? How can we get the rule book to a place where you have calls that should be made, but I feel like they're looking for excuses now. Maybe the players should stop cheating. Okay. I don't listen. Trying to cut corners. I don't Go blame block your man. Stop I, grabbing jersey. I, I don't blame the officials completely because the rule book is so huge. It's ridiculous. But honest to God, can we please have a series of plays go by without a flag being thrown? You know, it's I, I didn't notice it as much yesterday. We had a couple I feel calls like when on I'm there. Line. It just really annoys me. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I don't disagree. There's a lot more penalties in the NFL now than ten years ago, twenty years ago. The numbers bear that out. But I didn't notice it as much yesterday as as maybe you did. Now, the game before that, I think there were only five combined penalties the entire Washington game Mm -hmm. when the Vikings were out in Washington, D.C., and that was great. I enjoyed that. some of that, too, is you've got freakish players on both sides of the ball for the Rams and the Vikings. you got guys like Aaron Donald, and you've got... Uh, is it Connor Barwin, yeah. the uh, the linebacker who looks like he just ate a whole pile of bricks before the game? Yes. So I mean, those guys are gonna they're gonna create holding penalties. Stefan Diggs, Nadam Peeler are gonna, I just are gonna draw get, penalties. I just want to get to a place where we can see plays and not immediately. I look around now for a flag right away. And chances are it's just Adam Thielen's hands flashing by the screen. As How a, many times per game gloves. do you do that? Oh, my God, there's a flag. No, it's just Adam Thielen's oh, yellow gloves. Ugly gloves. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Jerry, what's going on, man? Hi. Um, the only thing I wanted to offer was I don't think I hear a lot of people talking about the contribution of Jarek McKinnon. What a catalyst he has been for this offense in three phases. I mean, I watched him yesterday pick up a blitzing linebacker who was half again taller than he was and stand him straight up. He catches the ball. He makes excellent runs. He does everything you could possibly ask of someone who comes in and replaces uh, a future pro bowler who's hurt. I, I, I think that more needs to be said about his contribution because he's just done such an excellent job. Totally agree. You know, Jerry, I, I was uh, there was a couple plays that that happened yet that were like Case Keenan would complete a big pass on a third down play or something, and you'd watch. And to your point, Jerry, the the last cog to the play was Jarek McKinnon plugging the hole, picking up a blitzing linebacker to give Case Keenan an extra, you know, split second to throw the ball. And you know his his numbers 
haven't been quite as good in the running and pass catching department the last couple of games. Latavius Murray has and Murray was has great experienced yesterday. success. Yep. But when it comes down to hey, the opposing teams bring in a linebacker but guess or they're what? stunting defensive end comes around, Jarek McKinnon picks up those blitzes. It's remarkable what happens when guys like that are used correctly. Jarek McKinnon last year was not a bad player. He was used incorrectly, and you couldn't figure out for the life of you what they were doing. And Collar said this 10 times. He said, "What? why not use him correctly? They, they are now. That's the key to this offense's success. The starting point is the line's play is very, very important. It's absolutely crucial. But the other thing to me that's important and, and a reason why Keenum is successful is because they're running an offense that makes perfect sense. McKinnon's used correctly. A year ago, you a year ago it was like, why do you have this guy on the team if you're not going to use him? Now they're doing a good job. Uh, so uh, another hour to go here. We're pretty much wall-to-wall Vikings, which is lucky for the Timberwolves because they blew one down the stretch against Detroit upset. again. But uh, Very upset of Tibbs, I think. The Vikings are 8-2, and two, and uh, they're the main talker until maybe until January around here. And look here, who's so. here. Uh, superstar Mike Morris just walked in, and um, we're going to talk some football with him. When we come back, oh, and by the way, the Packers got blanked for the first time uh, since 2006. And our poll results say, we just asked you simply as a Vikings fan, do you take more joy in the 8-2 and two start by the Vikings or the Packers' misery this season? And 31% take more joy in the Packers' misery. So your vindictiveness knows no ends, Vikings fans. Plenty of people on hold. Let's start out by going right away. Dan in Racine. Dan, welcome to the program. What's going on? Hello, Dan. Dan once. Dan twice. He gone. Go, Pat, go. Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm out of the way. I, there you go. I am Steve. 